Talking about the things that matter most to you. Today's Catholic Women. Catholic Women Now with Julie Nelson and Chris McGruder is underwritten by Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, a licensed representative of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa, cindyschulte.com, and Fred Haas. Over 30 years helping injured Iowans recover losses from accidents and work-related injuries. Fred Double D, Haas Double A. Good morning, everybody. We welcome you in here to Catholic Woman Now. I'm Julie Nelson. And I'm Chris Magruder. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Well, today we have on our show Randy Keel from Cardia Counseling and his associate, Barbara Graham. And we're going to talk about a topic uh, of grief. And this show is going to, we want to preserve the sacredness of this and the, and the respect for this today. And um, so if you have little children in the room or you're listening with them, I would suggest maybe that you would either listen to the podcast later or have them go uh, watch a Netflix movie or something like that. But this is definitely going to be a topic that um, we want to give it the, the time and we want to give it the sacredness and the respect that it deserves. Right. And we're so. talking about grief around what's been happening with the church, mm-hmm. truly. Um, so yeah. we're going to talk about um, some of the de- things that um, victims deal with and... Uh yeah, and, and so how everybody and everybody grieves differently, right? And we are so blessed to have Randy and Barbara with us today because everybody loves them. If you if you hear people talking about, gosh, I have this great counselor, I'll say, oh, who, well, who is it? Well, it's it's Randy Keel. I'm like, oh. Wow. So we're so blessed to have him on our show today because he's got all the answers. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but we are blessed to have yes, he and yes, Barb today. Yes, and um, it'll it, listen in because I think there's a lot for all of us to be learning. I today. agree. I agree. Yeah. And um, if you have any questions yes. while we are talking with Randy and Barbara today, you can text us at 515-223-1150. That's 515-223-1150. Questions or comments that you'd like to offer. Your number is anonymous. And so we do, it is anonymous text, so feel feel comfortable in that. Yes. And we'd like to say thank you to Cindy Schulte of Farm Bureau Financial Services for underwriting Catholic Now Catholic Women Now. She is an authorized independent agent of Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa, and she does a great job of making insurance simple for you. She can answer all your questions. If you need somebody like Cindy, you can find her at cindyschulte.com or 515-226-2111. Well, today in studio, we have Randy Keel, the founder of Cardia Counseling. He is a licensed mental health counselor with a private practice of psychotherapy and counseling here in central Iowa. With more than 20 years of clinical experience, Randy has spent over 40,000 hours sitting with people to learn how to care for them and their needs. Randy has recently ordained deacon in the Catholic Church. Congratulations. And he has been married for more than 30 years and has four, four children. Along joining... Randy today is his associate, Barbara Graham. She is a licensed clinical social worker, and she received her Bachelor of Science degree from Iowa State University and her Master of Social Work degree from the University of Iowa. Barbara's area of clinical interest include trauma recovery, grief and loss, and marriage and family. Barbara has been married for 27 years and has four children. Thank you for coming in today, Randy and Barbara. Thank you so much. So glad to be here for such a significant talk for the four of us to share Mm -hmm. together. I Mm -hmm. agree. Yes. I really appreciate your um, allowing us to be here and grateful that God has 
brought this um, issue to light. Yeah. 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 Purifying the church, for sure. yes. truly. And this Purifying. is one of the first times that Barb and I have been able to sit and share together in a radio show together. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. And you know, right. I think Julie and I can just sit back and listen to yeah, you guys converse today, really, truly. Yeah. 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 So yeah. if we go silent listeners, we're still here. We're still here. We still will. Catholic we're women now, but, but yeah. we, we want to let the experts really speak Well, there today. is some great information here today to share with everybody. So let's get started. I think about when we talk about what's happening in the church, I want to just go a little more specific with that and and to our listeners we we are talking today about the sexual violations that have happened within parishes within our diocese uh, within our church universal and it's not just a an american problem it's a church universal problem but first i want to accentuate that we are in a season of illumination we're in a season of light and this is there's actually a goodness in the midst of the tragedy that's here. We know that all tragedy is an opportunity for healing. And right there we have the work of the gospel happening. And so as we sit here and have this conversation, this conversation is all a further work of the gospel in our life. It brings hope. It it's brings hopeful. hope. It's it hopeful. brings hope. Yes. Hope and understanding of actually what Christ went through. Christ is our model for understanding the situation and really helping us through that. And Christ is our hope. Right. And so we know that Christ and community can help us to really get through this and to maybe understand it mm-hmm. within ourselves and what we need to be doing. And the, and the crisis, Barb, when, when I think of light coming into darkness, if, if, we're, if we've been in a dark theater and we come out and it's bright sunlight, it, it almost like bright light hurts our eyes. And when things begin to be illuminated to us, we, we, we feel hurt at first, like our eyes physically hurt. It's like, oh, what am I seeing? What am I seeing? It takes a while to focus on that. Let's kind of give that the bracket of presence of that's kind of what we're beginning to see. We've been all of a sudden just kind of shocked with a bright light of this history of what's been going on. But now we're starting to form the details of what's that been about? And that's some of what we want to discuss today. One of the um, important items that I want to bring out in our conversation is that This is a time for all of us that needs to be a lasting time, a season of of grieving. And sometimes when we think of grieving, we think about, oh, that means I'm supposed to cry. But that isn't necessarily what grieving means in and of itself, is it, Barb? No. Well, I kind of think of it like when we have a deep wound. You know, a lot of times we have to kind of identify it and then we have to allow it to be open and to see what it is and then start the healing process. And I think that's really where we are right now. And so the light allows us to do the things to nurture and to care for that wound. And so that it can slowly through time. And and I think in this particular situation, through dialogue and discussion and prayer and a whole lot of other things to be able to heal the wound. And I really think that that's where we are right now in this grief process is we're in the shock, but we're also kind of looking at the wound. And hopefully this show will help to do that, to do some talk and some dialogue and, and doing some of the things that we need to do through the illumination of Christ to be able to work through this and to understand it. But it's going to take a a while and time and together all of us working through this. So 
question in speaking about grief. Um, we were speaking with Randy yesterday off air, and he was saying that when we grieve with somebody, that's a form of prayer. It is. It is. It's a so form that's, of that's a way we can help a victim. It is. It, I, I, I love a lot of Jesuit philosophy, Jesuit theology, mm-hmm. like that in, in our breath we are in prayer. Mm-hmm. And as we grieve with someone, being present with someone, we're actively being a Christ type to them and mm-hmm. work of the Holy Spirit. So in grieving with um, the victims, those who have done the injuring, those who have kept secrets, it, it's all a sense of not just sadness, but we have a responsibility to join to bring about reparation. Mm-hmm. The reparation of the soul of the church, the reparation of the souls of individuals, that's the repairing, the sense of repair. That, once again, is the the work of And the redemption that's there. I want to bring out a point here also that um, sometimes we'll hear someone make a comment and say, well, you know, we all need to do a deep examination inside of ourselves to look for our own, like the light of Christ, come in, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way inside of me. And that if doesn't mean, well, maybe if there is. No, it sees it sees that there is a wickedness. So we are to be responsive to the essence of sin. But from the field that we come from, I also want to bring out the sense of a term that's called pathology. I want to talk about... I want to break that word down, psychopathology. That's the field of, that's really the field of mental health care. The psychopathology, I'm going to break that into three words here. Psycho, which means soul. Patho comes from the Greek word pathos, which means patterned, and in this case, diseased pattern. And logos are the words and thoughts. So psychopathology is the diseased words and thoughts that entwine the very soul of the human being. Wow. So we're not always aware of what's inside of us. And every one of us contains at least a little bit of that germ, Mm -hmm. a little bit of that bacteria sort of inside of us. We swallow lies. And we swallow lies. And we're not always aware of it. So when we hear about someone molesting someone, even I'm going to go, you know, I love languages. So I'm going to go into the word, the word, the original word to molest is a deep bothering of the soul. Oh, wow. So when we look at our church has been molested, the Uh soul of our church has been deeply bothered. Mm -hmm. That's why we must grieve. Mm -hmm. Now, what's caused the bothersome? It isn't isn't simply a matter of someone's choice to sin. It's about a psychopathology that has sociopathic tendencies to violate. Sociopathic, just for our listeners who yes. need to understand that better, is sociopathic would be a searing, uh, like there's a a dulling of a person's sense of conscience, so their awareness of right and wrong doesn't produce some of the guilt mu- ah. the guilt meter that lives inside okay. of us mm-hmm. that says, you know, like. I'm sensitive to littering on a small level. Like mm-hmm. napkin falls out of my car. I'm stopping to get that napkin mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. my driveway, at least, or in the parking yeah. lot. Pick that back up because I don't want to litter. Mm-hmm. The, that's on a small level. Mm-hmm. We have those kind of radars in our conscience, which are of God. That's part of how we hear the, mm-hmm. the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. But in sociopathy and a sociopathic tendency, their sense of conscience doesn't see boundaries it doesn't see rules in fact it it kind of has a 
twisted, a diseased pattern that delights in breaking rules. Mm. Or a disordered. When I think of it, I think of it in relationship to disordered thinking that comes from um, what Randy was talking about. And that disordered thinking shows itself through behavior. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what we're talking about is we're talking about the disordered thinking um, that shows itself in this disordered and psychopathological behavior. Correct. Okay, so when you explain it that way, so, but I've heard people say, well, we all are sinners. And that bothers me. Thank you. It just bothers me when people say that. It's like, there's a difference here. There's a difference here. And what is that difference? There's a difference here. It would be, you know, Julie, we wouldn't be so trite as to say to a person with depression, well, just cheer up. (laughs) But maybe we've actually done that to a person why don't you just cheer up there hey great guys are going to clear up put on a happy face mm-hmm. but the but the sense of depression there's there's something else going on for that person that's it's deeper than cheer mm-hmm. right right in in a sociopathic tendencies it's deeper than they just chose to sin this is a disorder of the mind that seeks power seeks position seeks dominance it's not necessarily seeking a sexual experience. That's so when key. we when we hear the molestation of the children by clergy, it isn't as simple as a sin nature, sin matter, and it isn't as simple as a sexual matter. It's an abuse of power, abuse of position, and abuse of dominance. That's what's gone on, and that's part of the sociopathy, the the pathology mm-hmm. inside of the person. So, so that's a person. If we've kept that under wraps, hoping it goes away, which has been part of the part of the problem that issued from this, mm-hmm. um, we are mistaken. If we say we'll pray for that person, pray for that to stop. That pathology doesn't just stop on it on its own. It needs very deep intervention. Mm-hmm if at all. And oftentimes it's been going on for a long time. That's the and pattern. so yeah, it's the disordered mind and the spirit which kind of dulls the person to dulls the conscience Correct. that they have. Correct. So yeah. The 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 younger a person is in their early adulthood or in their adolescence if they begin to have intervention for their pathological tendencies, the better the intervention is. The older the person, the less intervention can assist. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Does. yeah. So then, uh, then I think I want to bring another point here is that um, our response of quite often we feel protective of our family name. We feel protective of our church. We feel protective of the identity of God because we we want goodness, don't we? Right. Right. And we want example. We want to be examples. We want to be examples. And and we do feel a sense of shame. And shame must be responded to like other emotions. We, and I'm not going to go into a deep shame issue, but we need to, we need to grieve it. Mm -hmm. Shame makes us feel sad. And we feel, we can say that we feel the grief necessary, and I just want to speak that the, let's grieve for the, the victims of history, because even though this might have been, some of these might have been years ago, the wounds from years ago don't go away because a person died. 
The wounds passed from generation to generation, quoting our Old Testament, four generations are affected minimally from the dysfunction of what we have here. Minimal of four generations. And quite often as that snowball rolls down here at Hill, it gathers more layers. Mm-hmm. So even when we look at, we don't know all the ramifications of what that brings about, but we want to pray for the historical victims as well as current, as well as for the protection. So as we grieve, we keep in mind that that's a form of prayer for even our future to reduce the amount of victimization that happens from the clergy to the youth, as well as other facets, because abuse is abuse is abuse, whether it's cruelty verbally, physically, sexually, or in dominance and power. So you're talking about grieving, wow. that, kind of bringing in some Catholic spirituality here, is we're uniting our hearts to the suffering heart of Christ. Beautifully put. Absolutely. You know, we're we're yep. uniting that, and that brings great graces and salvation. When we take that and unite it with it. And compassion, the word compassion, I just love this, means to suffer with. To uh-huh. suffer with. Uh-huh. And so right now what we're doing is we are suffering with the victims. And so it's really important for us to acknowledge that and to pray for them and to really believe them and to grieve that with them and along with them and um, to really support them. There are times where I, when I'm praying about this, where I feel this immense grief that I have no idea where it comes from because my life does not warrant my circumstances. And I think there's a sense of that grief of others, you know, the suffering they're feeling. And actually, it's healing. It's very healing. You know, it's healing. I mean, we think, I mean, I used to think of grief as being negative. Like, I shouldn't feel so sad. You know, I shouldn't be this. But it's really purifying and purging in a way. I I think this is just a a philosophical thought on my part. Don't, please don't quote me anybody on this. Just my personal (laughs) quote. Um, When I talk about grief with people, I, I speak of it as grief is given to us by God as a way to transition between one stage of life to the next stage of life. Or from one awareness to a new awareness. So let's say, for example, someone has died, a loved one has died. Grief helps us to move from the physical presence of that person to now the spiritual presence of that person. Mm -hmm. And so we transition with grief. That makes so much sense to me because I'm very literal and I'm thinking, I'm imagining the tears that come and how tears, you know, water is cleansing. So that makes so much sense. So we even grieve different stages of life. We grieve so many people hold on to and they they don't want to let go of their youth, let's say. But you as I have had to do grieve letting go of my youth, but I still love to play um, <laughs> and, and, and have fun. But that sense of I can't transition fully to my adulthood if I don't grieve letting go of my youth. So mm-hmm. there's a, it's, a, it's an assistant to help us transition. Mm-hmm. So, dear Lord, what I ask you, what is the purpose of our grieving here? Let's think for a minute. The abuses that have happened are not new to the mind of God. He's very familiar with the church that he left us injuring one another. Mm-hmm. He's very familiar with that. He knows the grief of that. And Jesus knew the grief of people not following the work of his father while he was here on this earth. And we know he grieved for us also. Oh, Jerusalem, I weep for you. He knew that sense inside. So he's joining us in this. He knows where he's taking his church. Mm -hmm. That's the direction that we pray we get in line with. 
And some of that illumination that we get from our grieving and as we look inside into our heart, it helps us to open up our heart more, to understand our culture more, and to understand where God is directing and leading us to. And that's really an important part of grief is that it allows us to open our heart more to God and to understand who we are and who God has created us to be, to be the best person that we can be through the illumination and the light of Christ. And that's where I believe personally that God is calling us within this is to allow ourselves to do what we're called to do so that we can have that opening of our heart and our mind and be more in line and communion with Christ through that illumination of our heart. Right. I think um, it's kind of timely today is the feast day of St. John Christodom who wrote a lot about love and that purifying that grief does and cleansing that does of our hearts then it leaves us open to more love and love invites love. Hmm. Love yeah. invites love. Yeah. So, I and it's in the light. And it's, it's in, in the, the light. light. And what we're talking about in the sexual violations that have happened historically and we're praying against those that could happen today or in the future is that that pathology we talked about a little bit earlier, it seeks darkness. It seeks secrecy. And secrecy mm-hmm. is a form of darkness that we want to work against. Mm-hmm. When something becomes a danger for someone, it should never be put into the terms of a secret. Right. I want to make that clear for us. But yet the human tendency, when it has a sense of violation, is to freeze. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. freeze up. The person freezes up. And we could say in our instincts, well, why didn't you say something? And we hear that talk. Why didn't you, mm-hmm. why didn't you tell someone? Never do we want to create a sense of condemnation for actually what the psyche, the kind of the soul of the person, the mind of the person, the brain says, I will protect you. I will freeze you for a minute. It says, stop. Let me freeze this. Because it has a hard time processing what's going on. Mm. But then life goes on. And when abnormal things happen to a person, our normal talk is stunted. It doesn't know how to talk about it. And so that's why a lot of victims, it's a long time before they can even say anything, is because of that freezing and that protection Mm -hmm. and just feeling like something wasn't right during that time. When something abnormal happens to our life, Barb, we think that we would have the normal skill to address it, but we don't. Mm, right. So even if I've, if I've never been in a car accident and a car accident happens, I won't necessarily normally have to know. I'll, I'll need additional support from, I'll, I'll call my parents, I'll call my wife, I'll call someone and say, oh, I, I've been in a car accident. You bet. You bet. Yeah. This is Chris Magruder, and you're listening to myself and Julie Nelson on Catholic Women Now, and we're, we're sitting here with Randy Keel and Barb Graham, and there we're talking about grief today and grief in the Catholic Church, and I, I'm hearing you say this because I was in a, an accident a few months ago, and that's exactly what happened. I just, I froze. I didn't See, yes, know it to yes, say to anybody. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, you do. You just kind of... And it was an, it's an external violation, but mm-hmm. it affected you internally in right. the brain's fro- brain. Right. So and I just went mute, which is not like me, right, Julie? Yeah. <laughs> so you can see how much of an example, what a metaphor that is so yes. if we have the experience of a violation that's deeper to the psyche such as a sexual violation it freezes up the mind and there mm. but but then it's been shrouded in some rules that say don't talk and if we look at the three most dysfunctional rules of any family or any system number one it's don't talk number two it's don't feel and number three it's don't trust Mm-hmm. And if we put those three together and they're a constant in a person's life, we have only exist. 
And isn't that kind of descriptive of what happens to a person that has to suppress something that's happened that's been of a level of victimization mm-hmm. in their life? We really well, don't want to keep secrets. We don't want to keep secrets. We don't want to keep secrets. So we have just a few minutes left. I would like to hear your thoughts about what we can do for the church. What are some practical things that maybe or whatever? Well, the first thing is to remember that Christ is our hope and Christ is our life. And so God knew knew that this would happen. He can see all that. And so our illumination comes from Christ. And for us to be in that deep relationship, prayer, prayer for our church, prayer for the victims. And the second thing is talking. We need to talk about it. No secrecy. Because when we do that, then we're walking and continuing to walk in the dark. So we cannot have any secrecy about this. The other thing um, would be some fasting and going to adoration Mm, and offering up mass. Offering up mass for the church, for the pope, for our bishops, our priests, and for the community of Christ all of us within the church Um, and also realizing that maybe you feel called to write a positive letter to your priest to support them in this very difficult time for the priesthood and for their vocation i love that idea because i'm telling you i've been hearing the priests and they are they're they're really out there feeling strongly about the difficulty Mm -hmm. that this is for them that it presents for them so we, we pray for a sense of of boldness and courage of how to stand in the midst of adversity, which in reality, in the spiritual world, we're never outside of it. Mm-hmm. If we think we're outside of it, we're mistaking in our thinking. So, mm-hmm. so we want to pray for a continued sense of courage to keep the illumination alive and to keep our mouths open, to keep talking. Let's not reduce this to silent prayer. Let's keep this vocal prayer. And speaking the truth and realizing that our hope is in Christ who suffered and died and will redeem us for generations to come. So we have to put our faith, hope, and trust in Christ. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I also want to add that a lot of churches are doing adoration, reparation. So please look at your bulletins, check with your church, and participate. Yes, and And, and Bishop Pates is asking us to Mm -hmm. do that on Mm -hmm. Fridays, Mm -hmm. the the fasting and prayer. Thank you for allowing us to be here today to share the psychological, a little bit of the psychological, the psycho-spiritual insights. Well, thank you for coming. We know you're very busy people. And uh, Randy, why don't you give out your business and number in case people yeah, want to contact Barb and I, you? Barb and I are from Cardia Counseling, K-A-R-D-I-A Counseling. It means Cardia means the center of one's soul, one's heart, and one's character, and one's will. And we mm-hmm. thought, you know, that is the perfect word for what Christ yes. has called us to do. And your number? Our number is 515-267-0030 or cardiacounseling.com. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for being here. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah. All right. Fred Hoslaw. Offices has been a great sponsor of Catholic Women Now. They're dedicated to providing experience, personal, and highly responsive legal services to people who have suffered an injury. You know, Fred Haas handles a wide range of personal injury matters in addition to workman's comp and medical malpractice claims. Located in Des Moines, Iowa, Fred Haas and his staff are pleased to assist clients throughout all of Iowa. 515-256-6301 or 888-338-6535. FredHaas.com. Fred Double D. Haas double A. Well, we're going to close with prayer. And since we have a deacon in the house, Deacon Randy, would you please lead us in prayer? I would love that. I would love that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we pray for a blessing of your Holy Spirit to come to the center of this topic. 
whether it's new to our minds, it's not new to you. And we pray for your blessing to be the source of our guidance in our minds, in our thoughts, in our prayer life back to you. And we pray for a blessing over the historical victims and pray for your protection over the future of our church to reduce this within the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in your blessing, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 The Thank Iowa you. Catholic Radio Rosary is up next. Thank you for listening to Iowa Catholic Radio and Catholic Women Now, where we try to continue to teach, evangelize, and defend our Catholic faith. Now go do impossible things with God. Talking about the things that matter most to you. Today's Catholic Women. Catholic Women Now with Julie Nelson and Chris Magruder is underwritten by Fred Haas. Over 30 years helping injured Iowans recover losses from accidents and work-related injuries. Fred Double D, Haas Double A. And Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, a licensed representative of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa. CindySchulte.com. Catholic Women Now with Julie Nelson and Chris Magruder every Thursday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. On the radio voice for Catholic Women Now. 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, and 94.5 FM. And on the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Iowa Catholic Radio.